is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, taping this podcast from the airport in Minneapolis on my way home to Montana because our show last night, Baseball Tonight, we were canceled following the rain out at Yankee Stadium. We're going to talk about that in a second. Sarah Abbott is working from the Sarah Abbott Studios. It looks like actually they're the ESPN Studios in Bristol, Connecticut, and Taylor Schwenk who is working from the Schwink Studios and fostering conspiracy theories today, Taylor. I, I you know, my plane landed in Minneapolis uh, and I was thinking about, okay, how are we going to start the show? And right away, you're talking about tinfoil hats. Yep. Major League Baseball, they wanted to give y- the Yankees the edge. Jamison Tyone, mediocre pitcher. Nestor Cortez, a little bit better. You know, the, the Major League Baseball, they want the Yankees in the ALCS against the Astros, the blockbuster matchup. And then, you know, it, they kind of string things along with the, the rain delay last night. You know, no updates for anyone, even all the people in the stadiums. So I feel like it was like a little bit of a head fake, you know, with for the Yankee fans and also, um, you know, kind of a gift to the Yankees organization because all these people are stuck in their stadium. They're buying food. They're buying booze, not at discounted prices. So it's the best of both worlds for everyone. I think it makes a lot of sense. Sarah, you buying any of that? So I feel like I'm at liberty to judge very well here because Mm -hmm. I actually took a conspiracy theory class in college where this was part of my education. You majored in conspiracy theories. I majored in conspiracy (laughs) theories. So I was with Taylor until he said that they weren't updating the crowd which makes me think they were doing actually everything they could to get the game going and not wanting the crowd to leave because if they left and the game continued, we would be in a difficult situation. But A for effort. A for effort. I got to say, at the moment, I'm not very open to conspiracy theory. We had one of these on a late-season Sunday night game where you know, it was in the middle of the communication between people about whether or not the game was going to rain out or was it not going to rain out. And a story came out saying that ESPN <laughs> forced them to, you know, hang in there and try to, to get the game played because they wanted or to resume because they wanted an Aaron Judge at bat. And I just um, I was laughing, knowing exactly where each of those executives were in the moment. And yet there we were a thousand words of conspiracy theory. So, Taylor, I'm going to tell you later why I think you're wrong. OK, OK, I'm ready for it. All right. Well, game five is scheduled to uh, be played today at 4.07 Eastern time. Nestor Cortez uh, will pitch on three days rest for the Yankees. That's a change for the Yankees. They initially had scheduled Jamison Tyone, but as we talked about on the podcast yesterday, Nestor Cortez is in the circle of trust, and he'll be facing a fully rested Aaron Savale, who, uh, let's face it, probably is not going to last that long. The Guardians' tremendous bullpen is fully rested, and this would probably be a bullpen game. Later today, after that game, in all likelihood, the Phillies will take on the Padres in San Diego to start the National League Championship Series. Here's Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, talking about what it feels like to be in the NLCS. Pretty fantastic, really. I mean, um, you know, as I've said many times, we came out of spring training and, and we knew we had a real good ball club. So being here doesn't really surprise me. Um, based on the club we thought we had come out of spring training, but we got off to a slow start and it kind of snowballed a little bit. And I think the club lost their confidence a little bit. And then in May, we really had a tough schedule. 
And then in June, we started turning it on and, and got hot, stayed hot. Confidence grew back into the team, and and um, they've rolled right through it. So it's been pretty good. And am I surprised that we're here? No, but um, based on the start of the season, maybe a little bit, yeah. Rob was asked about postseason pressure. I think we'll play just exactly the way we're playing. I think our guys are um, really loose, really poised. Um, they're they're owning up to the moment, every moment that comes their way, and and uh, I'm proud of them for that. And I don't think though, I don't think their mindset or their heartbeat will change one bit. The Padres are the fifth seed in the National League. The Phillies are the sixth seed in the National League as that uh, as the postseason began. And Bryce Harper was asked about similarities between Philadelphia and San Diego. I mean, I think people kind of counted us both out, right? I mean, it was kind of just, you know, LA is going to win or the Braves are going to win or, you know, the Mets are going to win because those three teams are so, so good and so dynamic. And, um, you know, they had such great, you know, regular seasons as they always do. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a great series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know that we're looking forward to it as a, as a team and um, the opportunity to, you know, come in here and hopefully win a game and get home. Um, and, you know, we just I think we're all excited for that opportunity and, you know, we're looking forward to it. The Padres are favored to win the series and manager Bob Melvin was asked about that. Yeah, I don't think it matters. They're all good teams we're playing and these guys are playing great right now. So, um got our work cut out for us just as much as we did the last couple of series but we kind of try to more concentrate on what we're going what we're doing how, our style of play and and kind of go from there and he was asked about facing the Phillies doing some things a little differently um, you know certainly have some starters to get your attention some bullpen guys I think they're getting Robertson back too um, they can shorten games there they have power they run the bases they steal bases they, uh, they can beat you in different ways. So we have to be uh, ready for them on any number of levels. And speaking of the Padres, there was a story in the San Diego Union-Tribune that suspended Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. had a second surgery on his left wrist last week. That's the one he hurt in the motorcycle accident last offseason. The recovery time isn't expected to alter his status for the 2023 season. As you know, he was suspended uh, right after the trade deadline, and he was already going to miss the first 40 games or so of the 2023 season. Taylor, what else you got? It seems very daunting that he's going to miss 40 games next year still. Uh, today, let's promote Kyle Brandt's Basement and ESPN and Omaha Productions uh, joint product. Kyle Brandt's Basement comes out every single day during the week. And on Tuesdays, he's joined by Josh Allen. Ever heard of him? Check out Kyle Brandt's Basement wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, 
Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, a reporter and a producer for MLB.com and also the nicest person ever, which is why, Sarah, uh, you know, I knew that it, that the question I threw at you, ranking the three fans uh, this, the, in the ballpark over the weekend, the Phillies or the Padres or the Mariners, that that would be something that you probably in your heart would really hate, right? And we got a bleacher tweet today. It's coming up. We actually have someone saying, how did the Phillies wind up being third? Was that As I one? said, yeah. I felt awful putting them third. I wish it could have been a tie. You asked me to rank. I was trying to follow directions, but... I mean, as we said, those were some incredible atmospheres. And, hey, the Phillies get to show us again soon what that atmosphere is like, which is awesome. All right. And one of those really angry Phillies fans is joining us now. Uh, Sarah Abbott just informed us a couple minutes ago she's become a lifelong Phillies fan as of this morning. Sarah Abbott, please explain yourself. (laughs) Yes. As a lifelong Phillies fan, as of three hours ago, I have pledged my allegiance to the Phillies because of a one miles teller. And I speak for all lifelong Phillies fans that that was, that was tough. That was tough for us. Sarah Lang, Uh, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can respond. I am so sorry, Sarah. After all of those years waiting to see your team (laughs) back in the postseason, how could I disrespect you like that? No, yes. but in all honesty, I mean, Phillies fans deserve so much credit. And as we said, I thought the way I put it was actually a compliment. They've seen the Eagles win the Super Bowl. They've seen the Sixers in the postseason. They won a World Series not that long ago. So it was almost the fact that they're too familiar with this in comparison to Seattle and San Diego. So I thought that was a good thing. Yes. (laughs) As for all lifelong Phillies fans, including Miles Teller, we accept. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is seven. So speaking of the NLCF, we have the NOLA Bowl, which I'm very excited about. Entering the postseason, I was chatting with my colleague, Andrew Simon at MLB.com, and he said, hey, have we ever had brothers face off in a postseason series? At that point, it looked totally unrealistic. No way it was going to be Phillies Padres. But I went ahead and got the list just to be ready, and lo and behold, it's happening. So they're the seventh pair of brothers to face off in a postseason series. We had in the 97 ALCS and 96 ALDS, the Alomar, Sandy Jr., and Roberto. 1985 ALCS, we had Garth and Dane Orge. Then 1964 World Series, Ken and Cleet Boyer. 1921-22 and 23 World Series, we had Bob and Irish Musel. And then the 1920 World Series, we had Doc and Jimmy Johnston. But one thing that the Nolas have on those six other brother pairs 
this is the first pair of brothers to face off in a postseason series where one is a pitcher. So we will get very likely the first brother versus brother plate appearance in wow. a postseason series. Remember, we had Will Smith off of Will Smith in the 2020 World No postseason. This kind of feels like the next uh, step in that sort of uh, mythology. Number two. Number two is 4.59. So that is the ERA for starters pitching on zero to three days rest after a start in the wild card era. Of course, Nestor Cortez is going to do this for the Yankees later this afternoon. 4.59 ERA, a 30-47 and 47 record. Of course, there have been some incredible performances, but overall, the numbers do not favor doing so. Number one. Number one is one. So today is a very special day in postseason history because it is the first day in postseason history where we will have two rounds overlapping. So we have an ALDS game and an NLCS game. We've never had two different rounds playing on the same day. Of course, that's only been possible since 1995 and then in 1981 because you need to have a round prior to the LCS. Otherwise, you're just waiting on the outcome of that. But this happens in the NBA, it happened in the NHL, and now baseball gets it as well. I feel like it's probably a nightmare for certain stats pages, not knowing where to assign things, but for us, it's great. Yeah, and you know the traveling secretaries are going nuts too. Yeah. All these teams trying to find hotels and, and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, for a few years, you worked alongside uh, someone named David Ross, uh, former Dancing with the Stars champion. Uh, he uh, sent me this yesterday. Give a listen. When I think of Sarah Langs, the first thing I think of is walking into a room and seeing that smile light me up on the inside. Uh, she's always sitting in the corner on her computer, getting knowledge, reading stats, doing research, um, everything to help out everybody else. Her knowledge really is some of the, mo the some of the best I've ever been around. Who she is, her energy, uh, her personality, uh, it really lights up a room, makes you feel good. You feel like you've known her forever, uh, even if you've met her only for five minutes. Um, a special, special woman. One, one day she's sitting in the corner, the next day she's on TV giving a breakdown on MLB Network. I mean, what a, what a great career she's having uh, and really just an impressive person. We love you, Sarah. I know you've gotten some tough news lately, but uh, there's a lot of people you've affected in a positive way. Uh, and we're thinking about you and praying for you every single day. So um, you're the best. I hope our paths cross real soon. Yeah, David Ross, uh, uh, you know, sending me that yesterday. Sarah, I'm sure that there are probably a lot of betters who want to know who are you picking in the National League Championship Series. You know, I keep first of all, thank you and thank you to Rossi. I mean, so sweet, and I really appreciate that. I am also biding my time because I still don't know who I am picking in this series. It's funny because obviously momentum is not really a thing, but we often go off of it. But both of these teams have so much momentum. 
that you can't even use that as a sort of tiebreaker. I love that that Padres bullpen, and I do think that comes in stark contrast to the mm-hmm. Phillies bullpen, which mm-hmm. has been fine so far, but of course mm-hmm. is kind of piecemeal at this point. So I think I tend to give an edge to a bullpen in October, so I may go there. But the Phillies' offense is probably the one to pick on that side. Going Padres right now, but I feel like after today, I'll be going Phillies. I mean, it feels like such a toss-up. Yeah, I to hear you talk through that out loud and your brain sort of going back and forth, each swaying back and forth each way. Uh, I even more greatly appreciate you ranking the fans <laughs> in the ballparks. It tells you how difficult that is. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, Buster. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN. She was on baseball tonight in Bristol last week and this morning. Jess, you're on, uh, uh, down in the city on the show Get Up. How are you doing today? Doing good. Waking up in New York City and uh, tried to go into the game last night. That didn't go very well, so I don't think I'll be going tonight. I'm probably watching it from uh, from my room here in New York. So tell me about that. So you went over to, to Yankee Stadium? Yeah. I just, you know, I'm here doing shows in the morning, and I thought, okay, I'll head over early, maybe see some people, just talk at the overall vibe, be able to talk about it the next day and, you know, all the things. And I knew the weather wasn't going to be great, but um, by the time I 
did get over there and stayed for about an hour. And I realized this isn't going to be good. This isn't going anywhere. <laughs> um, were you so surprised, I was surprised, were you surprised at how the weather played out last night and, uh, you know, the long, long delay, not getting, you know, word until very late that about the, uh, about the fact that they were going to postpone it. Yeah. So when I left, I thought for sure they were going to cancel it shortly after. And I was shocked when even by the time I got back, down all the way to seaport like an hour later they still hadn't called the game and i was like oh my gosh like this is getting crazy they're gonna play this thing at midnight this makes no sense um and then they finally ended up canceling it but when i left i mean just the steadiness of how the rain was coming down of course we all have our little radars and like we all think we're weather people but i was looking at it going this ain't going anywhere (laughs) you know um and so it was going to be a while and you could just feel it um plus at that point it was like just the amount of energy being lost from everyone in the stadium. Like it just, it felt like this, this was definitely not meant to happen. So are you uh, like Taylor, a conspiracy theorist believing that somehow major league baseball was behind the scenes, like the wizard of Oz pulling the strings on the schedule and looking at the forecast and deciding, you know what? No, for the sake of Nestor Cortez, we're going to bang this game. What do you think? I mean, I felt like they were doing the opposite. They were like, we're going to do everything to make this game happen. Um, That's what, like, it just felt like there was no relenting. Um, And I'm sure that if you, there was a fly on the wall between the Yankees clubhouse versus the Guardians, like the Yankees, from what I was understanding, were definitely like, let's just push this thing to tomorrow. Be great. (laughs) You know, our guys a little more rest. And the Guardians were definitely hell-bent on, like, let's get this game in. Um, so who knows what was actually occurring, but I definitely felt like major league baseball was doing all that it could to, to try to get that game in last night. That's why I didn't get canceled earlier. Yeah. I, I was a fly on the wall in both clubhouses during the course of the game last night. And I will tell you that the way this played out did not go over well with the Cleveland folks. I don't know if it really went over that well with the Yankees folks. Cause I, I don't know, Taylor, I, I don't know if it, you know, you're, you're, you're lining up the Yankees to go somebody on three days rest versus, uh, you know, fully rested Jamison Tyone. Is that a huge advantage? Are you still thinking conspiracy? Mm, probably not a conspiracy, but, you know, it was, it was fun in the moment to get riled up over. And I thought that maybe the mistreatment of the Yankees fans in the building was like MLB's head fake, you know, like, oh, no, hey, we're doing it for the Guardians. We're doing it for the good of the game and we're going to mistreat these Yankees fans. Let them, you know, wither in the rain or whatever. But uh, yeah, you guys are probably right. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Uh, just in terms of what we're going to see in starting pitching for today, you know, how much does this change in your mind what, uh, you know, what we're going to see from the two teams? Because Aaron Savali is going to start for the Guardians. Nestor Cortez will start for the Yankees on three days rest. Buster, you and I talked about this. Um, you know, you mentioned the circle of trust for the Yankees and like who are the guys, and it's a small list that the Yankees absolutely trust in a high leverage spot that you know is going to happen within this game, game five, you know, who's the arm, who are the, the, the arms that are the go-to and Nestor Cortez was at the top of your list. Like when I think about who Aaron Boone trusts out of the bullpen, you know, and, and that's where I get it. So then now you get him as a starter, but what does that do with that small list of names that you have, to go to. And obviously Jameson Tyon isn't the guy on that list out of the bullpen that can come in and save the day. And, you know, it's, it, to me, it becomes, you know, about Peralta and Holmes, but I think not having Cortez out of the bullpen, is that, 
is that actually, does that hurt them? I mean, of course you want them to start, but um, then you minimize having really what was the best arm coming out of the pen for that game five. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they talked a little bit about, you know, Cortez, because he's going to be on short rest, let's face it, he's probably not going to be going 100 pitches. Uh, they'll probably start him and go as long as they can with him. But you uh, you wonder if they talked about starting Tyone and then bringing in Cortez to flip the the Cleveland lineup and getting gaining an advantage from there. I would say this. I think it definitely helps the Yankees, uh, the back end of their bullpen, because those guys were more stressed, Peralta, Holmes, and the Guardians guys who are fully rested. And on the on the – on the Guardian side, I totally get why they're doing this. They could start Shane Bieber on short rest. But, Jess, you and I know that this game is going to be a bullpen game for the Guardians. If there's any sort of issue, uh, Carl Willis, their pitching coach, is going to have his hand on the phone immediately the bullpen to get some of those guys because those are really, uh, other than Shane Bieber, other than uh, uh, you know Tristan McKenzie, those are, that's the strength of this team. Yeah, no, that's honestly the advantage they had over the Yankees. I mean, the fact that the Yankees weren't rested and that the Guardians were, that they have better arms, and now it's a little bit more even, you know, I think with obviously Cortez being there, do we see Shane Bieber? Is Shane Bieber an option that, you know, they, they go to out of the bullpen depending on how this no. game goes? Like, no, you know, they're not going to. No, he, he, well, I think, I think their feeling is, look, we're going to need everybody. If we, in the end, if we want to reach the World Series, we're going to need everybody. We might as well have a fully rested Shane Bieber ready to yeah. go if we start the Astros Series uh, on, uh, on Wednesday. Tomorrow night. I mean, that's what's so crazy is yeah, you don't think about that. You have to win this game. But to your point, like, normally there's a travel day. You've got some time. But it's like as you, this game goes in, you're, you're going to start thinking, like, okay, if there is a significant lead, you guys are playing the Astros, whoever is winning, tomorrow night. Like, that's – hello, ALCS. Here we go. Yeah, and I kind of even wonder if they're – poor Shane Bieber. Uh, if the Guardians clinch today, I kind of wonder if Shane Bieber is going to be allowed to be part of that celebration. My guess is they're going to put him on no. a plane to go to Houston. And, and, he's and gonna what, what kind of celebration are we really talking about? I mean, yeah, pop some champagne, but come on, boys. Like, you got to get to bed. You got a game tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about the National League Championship Series. It starts tonight, Phillies, Padres. Uh, give me an X factor for each team. Phillies definitely, um, you know, something that hasn't, I feel like, has gotten lost um, for those that maybe weren't watching the regular season or if they were, they want to forget about it, is the Phillies defense. I mean, this was the worst defense in baseball as far as defense and run save midway through the year. I mean, we saw a little bit with Reese Hoskins, you know, this week in the ball they should have gotten to. Like, I'm not trying to beat up, but I do think that that is going to emerge here now that we're getting into a championship series, a longer series, is the defense that was really a huge struggle. I mean, you, you know in these games it comes down to guys putting the ball in play and a key defensive moment that usually can give away the game. So I think that's going to be huge for the Phillies if they can still kind of squeak by with the defense that they've had. Um, or if that'll emerge is, is something that could cost them a game. And I think for the Padres, we've talked about it absolutely is, um, you know, the power of their bullpen, you know, the way that they've utilized those arms. We've talked about Josh Hader, Robert Suarez. Um, and then I also think that the small ball that they play, I'm giving you two, sorry. But, like, they started to kind of do a little bit of, like, let's pull the ball to the right side to move runners. Let's get a sacrifice fly. Let's bunt guys over. I think that's going to be key for them moving forward in the NLCS. So I've got an X as an X factor. I agree with you on the Phillies. An X factor for the Padres is going to be Juan Soto. 
because it feels like he gradually over the last six weeks made the changes swing. He's focused more on taking the ball the opposite way, and he's had better results. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, well, and, I mean, the big hit that he got in, you know, the the clinching game was actually trying to pull the ball to the right side. So, like, I totally agree with you. Like, basically shortening up, whether it's going with a pitch or in that case, he got a hit, but it was, wasn't because he was trying to hit the ball hard. He literally was trying to pull a ball to the right side to advance the runners second and third and score him. Of course, he got a bonus hit and ends up, you know, dropping it into the right field. But it's him just kind of simplifying and not feeling like he has to get that huge hit, but just enough. I mean, the fact that he's shown bunt a couple times just shows where his psyche, his mental state is of just like, let me do whatever I can for this team to pass the bat versus I am the bat that has to get it done. So tell me now that the Dodgers are eliminated, you know that team well, you do games uh, serve as uh, do color uh, on this, some of their broadcasts. Tell me what you think they need to do this winter. What needs to be their focus? Closer. They need a closer. Like, like all caps, exclamation part, bold, italics. Like, what Edwin else? Diaz. Are you saying Edwin Diaz? Because I think that's what everyone's going to focus on. Yeah, I mean, a closer, like, that is a, I mean, Edwin Diaz would be a dream for anybody. And that's like, it's Christmas time and Santa is showing up and Edwin Diaz. But honestly, having a set closer, the, the whole idea that you can kind of use different guys and by committee and blah, blah, blah. No, that's what happens when you know what hits the fan and you use those terminologies back into the season. But to go into next year, and I don't think a whole lot really has to change. I get it. Like, they, they are a huge disappointment in the, the postseason, but they won 111 games for a reason, Buster. This is a really, really good team. But, you know, the biggest thing that they lacked, and it was apparent for months, was they didn't have a trusted arm. Evan Phillips was like the, the big guy, but he was definitely not just that set closer role. And I think that's important. So one of the things that I thought about with the Dodgers moving forward was if they'll have some internal conversation about how it is it feels like every October we get to a situation where uh, they rely on this wide range of pitchers. And, and it's kind of a ancillary to what you're talking about with the closer. They rely on a whole bunch of different guys. Because think of it like a, you know, a chains or links in a chain that the more of those links that you rely on, the, the, the greater vulnerability that you have that one of them is going to break. Uh, just watching them in that series, you're thinking, boy, they wound up just relying on this parade of relievers. And look, I know they, you know, they weren't anticipating that Walker Bueller was going to break down or that Gonsolin was going to break down at the end of the year. But I, I kind of wonder if when they look back on it, if, if maybe, you know, there's some conversation of we just can't continually put ourselves in a position where, you know, the ninth, 10th, 11th best guy on our staff is deciding our season because that's the way it's felt in recent years. Yeah. I mean, obviously injuries. No, not buying. You mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I'm not just because I, I do feel like it, it, to me, it was, it was just pressure. Like, you know, as much as we talked about the closer, so there was one position that definitely needed help. They had it planned with Craig Kimbrell and it didn't work out, but um, the pressure that the offense began to feel. And I feel like this is something that's more of a mental thing that a lot of these players, when you win that many games, and honestly, you haven't had any kind of diversity for months. Um, Cause even if you lose a game, it doesn't matter because you have this ridiculous lead in your division. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, before, 
all of a sudden you get into these huge situations and that to me is what stood out. They had the talent buster. And honestly, they had the arms. Like I felt like they could have definitely won if they had the offense that was there the entire season, especially the bottom of their lineup. I mean, I really wanted to see Miguel Vargas get into that series. When we saw, you know, obviously Cody Bellinger struggled, Chris Taylor struggled, I mean, even Trace Thompson, like, you know, Miguel Vargas is someone that was an exciting young player, no pressure at all. He gets in there, just give him an opportunity. So I think just decisions that are made once guys that are feeling pressure aren't performing that did all year, trusting that there's some other people you have on that roster that can get the job done. Uh, and lastly, we're going to be talking with Brian Snitker coming up here in a moment. What do you think the Braves need to do this winter? Because obviously it's a team that essentially has one hole, uh, and that would be a shortstop. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, do you resign Dansby or not? And they have no room for anything else. I mean, they've signed, like, pretty much, I mean, you talk about, like, the 20th person on the roster, I feel like they're going to have a contract. Like, I mean, it's pretty clear what this team is going to look like moving forward, and they look great. I mean, it's not, I think, similar to the Dodgers. Yes, disappointing, all the things, but, oh, my goodness, look out. The Atlanta Braves are going to be here to stay and be great for a very long time. And I think getting the experience, especially for a lot of those younger players, but a key position, as we all know, is shortstop. And you and I, I think, both agree that Dansby, we see him staying in Atlanta, but they got to get that figured out. And I think quickly, just so the team can move on, because they've got everyone else locked up. Yep, and they have such good pitching that I think potentially could uh, you know, wind up needing to rely on defense that they will, in the end, work something out with Dansby. All right, Jess, have a good time today. It's going to be a fun day. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Brian Sitker is the manager of the Atlanta Braves. And, Sid, I was watching you uh, after the game four in Philadelphia the other day, and I was just, you know, seeing your answers and your composure really impressed me. And I was wondering if, you know, when a knucklehead's asking you a question in in an aftermath of a game like that, is it hard to keep your composure or or were you, is that just you being settled? Yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't do any good for me to take anything personal or to get upset. You know, the fact of the matter was we didn't play well in that series. I mean, um, you know, it's funny. I, I text Rob afterwards and said, y'all just kicked our ass. That's all it is. You know, I mean, it was as simple as that. And, um, you know, so, you know, while you're disappointed, I probably felt a little more on Sunday morning when I was leaving to go to the ballpark to do the end of the year stuff and that emptiness and, and, you know, kind of, man, I, I, you know, I wanted to be going there to play a game. And, um, you know, the reality is, 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 you know, we lost the game and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry that we did. I, I, God, it's so much fun to, to go deep into these things and, and, and everything. But, um, the reality was we didn't play well enough. Yeah, and then I, you know, we had you guys a couple times on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, you know, had talked to a, a couple of your guys, and I, I even felt more confidence with your players than I did last year going into the postseason, you know, considering how well you played over the last four months. No, I, me too. I mean, I, I just, you know, in talking to all those guys, how they handled, um, you know, that last week of the season was, like I said, I, I told all you guys, like on that Friday, 
the beginning of that Mets series, I told my wife, it's like, well, we're, playoffs are starting today, and, and those guys perform like that. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, I know that's what I always told them. When we go to spring training, the number one box we want to check off is the division. Till you get in, you don't have a chance to do anything special. So you got to get in the door, you know. And, and um, I remember talking to John Sherholtz years ago about, you know, I was at a golf tournament with him. It's like, why'd you trade Dave Justice or why'd you do this? And it was always was like to give us a chance to win the division because you never know what's going to happen in the postseason. So your son, of course, is on the staff of the Houston Astros. They're looking great in the American League. Um, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that you probably watch all the Astros games. Yes. Yes. No, I did. I talked to him this morning he was getting ready to go to the workout and, um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow them and I'm going to pull for him. I mean, um, hopefully he can bring one of these trophies home again, you know, too this year. And I was going to ask you along those lines, if your son wasn't involved moving forward, would you be someone who would watch the postseason after your team was eliminated? Because I, I've talked to guys on both sides of that question. You know, Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager in the past, has told me, no, I don't watch anything. Like, if we're not in it, I just get mad watching and I don't want to uh, do that. Gabe Kapler told me the other day, like, uh, you know, I'm not watching. And on the other hand, Alex Cora showed up at City Field because <laughs> you know, his brother was there, and he says he watches everything. Where do you fall on that? Yeah, no, you know, that, somebody asked me that the other day after on on Saturday evening, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm I'll watch it. I'm a fan. I'm a baseball fan. Um, you know, I, I kind of like watching what's going on in the games and, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, if I'm around the house, it's, I'm going to have it on, you know, if I'm at one of the grandkids events or something like that, then I'll probably be checking on my phone. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like watching it cause I'm a, I'm a fan of baseball and I enjoy the postseason. All right. Dan, the big question for your off season, as you well know, uh, is whether or not Dansby Swanson will be coming back. Uh, you know, to be your shortstop moving forward, will the deal be worked out? Um, I remember talking to you about the Freddie Freeman conversations. My sense was you don't get involved in it at all. Like you stay a hundred miles away from the contract stuff with players. Uh, what uh, what what's your your byplay been with Dansby recently? Yeah, no, I you know um, just I talked to him after we were eliminated, and you're right, I don't. I mean, I wait for Alex to give me updates. I mean, he's he's unbelievable at, at doing all that. He's got a great feel for it. It's just like all these extensions that we signed this year. Like I told somebody, it's like he'll come in and plop himself down on the couch in my office and say, well, we're going to announce so-and-so's got an extension or whatever. And that's first, most of the time, the first I ever hear of it. Um, you know, I, I they don't ask me, um, cause it's all stuff that's, you know, that goes into the, it's all above me as far as all that goes, the organizational, the business end of it. Um, you know, I sit and I hope and I, I, they're very aware of how I feel about this young man and, and, um, how much I want him back. I understand too, that it is a business and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, if I had my rathers, yeah, I hope I'm penciling him in as a shortstop next year, but I understand how all that works. But just seeing Ronald Acuna Jr. this year in his first year uh, after uh, he had, uh, of course, uh, knee reconstruction. Yeah. No, I, just, I think it affected him all year. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, you know, we had talked to other guys that had had that. And it's just, you know what, I think it's similar to guys that coming back after Tommy Johns that come back in the middle of the year. I mean, it's just you're not going to see the the true guy until they have a normal offseason. You know, and, and I never realized how – 
important just a normal off season is where they can train the way they normally do. Um, you know, it just can be normal and not rehab. That's a, you know, and, and I didn't realize it till I, I was talking to Kirby Yates and, and how he wanted to come back and be activated at the end of the year. Cause it's like, God, I do not want to rehab again. You know, I don't want to spend another off season rehab and I want to be a normal baseball player. And I think Ronald's same thing. I mean, I think as he has a normal off season, you know, he can do his off-season training. He can just have a normal off-season and, and not be, you know, this kid went to, you know, he was back and forth to L.A. He was working out with a bunch of guys out there in February prior to coming to spring training. Um, I, You know, I think we he can he can just spend time with his family, be normal. Um, then you're going to see a totally different guy come spring. So when you look at Rob Thompson, at, you know, as, as managing in the National League Championship Series, uh, you must see a lot of yourself and your path in him, in his path, because it feels like that you guys kind of in a similar spot. I, I think very similar. You know, Rob's, heck, Rob's probably experienced a lot more than me. I mean, he's wore different hats that I've been just mainly the – you know, the field guy. And I mean, he's been front office and management and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, you know, what, a, um, I'm just so happy for him. He's a great guy. He's a grounded guy. He's real. Um, you know, he's a really good baseball guy and, and I'm happy for him. You know, like I say, I, I pull for guys like that. Um, cause I do see a lot of similarities in our paths. All right. Last one for you. What's the, the most challenging thing about managing in the postseason? Oh, just the urgency. I mean, the preparation, um, everything gets ramped up 10 times. It's, it's just unbelievable once, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, you win the division, you got a couple hours to celebrate, and then all just like, man, it's just all hell breaks loose. And, and, you know, you're, you're posturing for the, the next opponent and um, everything is just so much more urgent. The games are, you know, you're on edge more. Um, it, it's just, you know, when you sit back and you, it's all over, I think that's why to this day right now, I think I look back at our run last year and I, there's big gaps that I don't even remember uh, because you're just so locked in. And I have no recollection of the Milwaukee series. And we had four days off in between. I have no idea. I can't remember what we did in between that and the NLCS last year. I mean, cause you're just so locked in, in the day, the moment, and you just go and go and go. And it's kind of like I'm feeling now when it's over, you just crash. All right, Snape. Well, in in that context, I thank you so much for joining us, uh, and I look forward to talking to you probably at the winter meetings. All right, great, Buster. Thank you. Bleacher tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets brought to you by Dr Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr Pepper. The one fans deserve. Josh writes in on a Tuesday asking, "Do you think the Padres would have made it this far with Tatis?" The knee jerk reaction is yes, but part of me thinks no. And this is an addition by subtraction scenario with his big leaguer at without his big leaguer attitude. Pardon me. Yeah, and this was a learning year for him, no doubt about it. I do think they would have made it in a, uh, into the playoffs. I think they potentially could have made it this far. Um, the one thing I would say is that moving forward, when there's conversations between the Padres and Tatis Jr. about moving to the outfield, which I think is going to be in the front burner next spring, it's going to make it a lot easier. Taylor, don't you agree with me? For the Padres to dictate, okay, this is where you're going to play. Yeah. And we're not going to – there's not going to be any complaining – uh, we're going to welcome you back, but after you missed all the games down the stretch, 
Uh, you missed all the postseason. You had to have another surgery on that wrist. You didn't get taken care of after you had your motorcycle accident last offseason. And you're going to miss the first uh, quarter of the 2023 season. You know what? You're going to play where we're going to tell you you're going to play. Oh, yeah. You're gonna, he's he's got to fall in line. And I think it'll be good for his teammates. I think they'll be able to hold him accountable now, whereas they might not have been able to before. Possibly. Yep. Right. Let's go to PK Steinberg. He writes in prior to game five last night uh, or tonight, whatever. Aaron Judge's postseason numbers are mediocre at best. Does this have any bearing on his next contract? PK, unless it's a total debacle, like if he goes over five with five strikeouts, I, I do think that makes slightly easier. Uh, for the Yankees if they decide they're going to hold the line on what they're going to offer and judge the land someplace else. Because with Yankee fans, it really comes down to, in the end, uh, if you don't win the World Series and you stink, and if the perception of judge at the end of the series is that it was a problem, it'll move the needle a little bit, but not much. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Yankees to re-sign him. Taylor Welch writes in, as a Philly fan, I feel disrespected by the Philly atmosphere getting ranked third. Thanks a lot, Sarah. However, I digress. Better DS moment, Jordan walk-off or Hoskins bat spike? All right. Did I not put Sarah in the most impossible situation yesterday? Of Let's course. Make that it was amazing. That thing. <laughs> when, I asked, when I asked Sarah, who's the nicest person in the world, to rank the three fan base, you know, I should have done that to you, Taylor. Uh, well, it wouldn't have been as fu- much fun because I'd have no remorse with my rankings. See, Sarah, she probably still feels bad that she put Philly at number three. So you have that going yep. for you, Taylor Welch. Yeah. Uh, Hoskins bat spike yep. was was the just in terms of I think that, you know, the bigger moment in terms of being a barometer for what's to come was Jordan hitting a walk off home run because I think the Astros have an excellent chance now to go on and win the World Series. But in terms of a moment we're going to go back to that bat spike was pretty cool. Brandon at Win for Gwyn writes in Buster. I'm hearing a lot of Dodger complaints about the new playoff format. Sorry about it, y'all. But doesn't the players union and the owners have to agree on the changes? Can you explain this a little bit? Thank you. Yes, they 100% have to agree. You know, the owners wanted 14 teams in the playoffs. They also suggested sort of a selection uh, like before the NCAA tournament, like a selection show where the top seeds could essentially choose their opponents. I. I got to say, you know, I sort of waded into this yesterday and I was completely surprised by the reaction because I I think it's just a fun conversation and I'm kind of sick. I don't know about you, Taylor. I'm sick of all the, you know, complaining while they had days off. And my feeling is, well, you know what? Just to bypass that whole thing about whether or not the number one seeds are put at disadvantage, give them a choice. Tell the Mm -hmm, one and two mm -hmm. seeds, hey, you get a choice. You want to play the first round, wild card round, or do you want to buy? And we know what the what the choice would be. Every single team would say, "No, we'll take the days off." Of course, we will absolutely take the bye because you reduce by one. You know, the opportunity to get knocked out of the postseason. You rest your guys. You get to line up your pitching. That's not even close. And then I also suggested if you wanted to stack up more of an advantage for the higher seeds, you could. And I actually think this would be a fun show, and it would lead to a lot of uh, yeah, conversation, debate, maybe some rivalry if you let. Uh, the high seeds pick their path. In other words, say, you know what? Out of the four remaining teams after the one and two seed, here are the two teams I won in our bracket and require the general manager of the number one seed to do that. I think that would be a blast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, it got killed on social media yesterday. And people, not only was it like people disagree, but like angry. And you're like, 
Okay. I, I, jeez. <laughs> like, don't bomb out in the first round of the playoffs. Just don't do it. Well, I mean, what, I, right. when you're I games. agree with that. And I wasn't trying to make an excuse for the Dodgers or the Braves, but I just got so tired of the whole thing about days off, you know? It's unbelievable. It's just like, and if you gave those teams a choice and there wouldn't be any of that, it would just bypass it. You know, just, just put that in there. Like give the option to the one and two seeds. They'll rubber stamp the, the, the decision that they're going to get the first few days off and then nobody will complain. They want to line up their pitching. That's what's most important. What, what are people yes. talking about? I don't understand. Right. Oh my God. Dave Roberts would not, he would not trade those days off again. I don't think. No, no one would. <laughs> yeah. No, no person in the right mind in an era dominated by analytics. Somebody's going to say, yeah, we'll take one more opportunity to, for us to get knocked out of the postseason rather right. than simply advance to the next round. <laughs> it's it's crazy. And also, I, I don't know, people are like losing their minds over this. This is the first year. I, I think if you're objectively watching this, the playoffs have been a lot of fun. So the only complaints we're yeah. really getting are from Braves, Mets and Dodgers fans uh, just whining. Honestly, that's how I feel. About bitter it. Boulevard, right? Oh, yeah. Bitter traffic jam on Bitter Boulevard right now. A lot of people <laughs> on the roads. Uh, let's go to the last one for today. Don Irvine, our friend writes in what kind of contract is Carlos Correa looking for and what is he likely to get? Um, I think it's going to be somewhere in the, in the 275 to 300 range and it's going to be a 10 year contract. I, you know, knowing Carlos, so he's a competitive guy. He's probably going to be looking at top Lindor's deal, which is $341 million. Maybe he convinces a team to do that. You know, maybe there's going to be enough pressure on the Yankees if judge leaves for them to jump into the Correa conversations. Um, my guess is that's not going to be the case. Uh, this young shortstop coming up, uh, Anthony Volpe, that they have a lot of faith in. But I, I, I in the end, I think I'm going to be surprised by how high the Correa deal is. All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games tonight. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Brian Snitker. Uh, to Sarah Lang, Jess Mendoza, Sarah and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.